0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Farm Commons podcast. My name is Eva, and I serve as our Farmer and Partner Development Manager, and I'll be your podcast host for this show. In addition to being a farm law educator, I've also been a market farmer in the Piedmont of North Carolina, managing my own legal risks through operating a CSA program, selling to local farmers markets, and leasing land. I'm so happy to be here learning with you. For the past two years, we at Farm Commons have been on a sabbatical from our podcast, focusing on expanding our farm law workshop offerings across the country and resource development on our website. But for 2020, we are back. As the world is definitely not lacking in email correspondence, we've decided to transition away from our email newsletters, shifting now to a monthly podcast series where we share current farm law issues, Farm Commons takes on those issues, and interview special guests, including farmers, attorneys, agricultural service providers, and more, to grow the culture of legal resilience for the farm business community. right today for our farm commons podcast we are here with our director rachel armstrong who founded farm commons about seven years ago and she's going to be sharing with us today some updates about where our organization is right now and where we're going for 2020 hey rachel thanks for being on the line today
1: it's lovely to talk with you for sure
0: awesome so i'd love for us to share what we're working on for 2020 and what farmers and educators can expect from us at farm commons
1: yeah well let's see so i think one of the most exciting things that we are working on right now is how do we get farmers to talk with each other so lots of farmers come to farm commons and pick up lots of great basic information on how to reduce legal risk on their farms We're proud of that. We're happy. That's working. But it's usually not the end of the story. It's usually just the beginning of the journey that farmers are going to be on to reduce legal risk over time. How do farmers want to walk that journey? Well, a lot of times they want to do it with other farmers. They want to hear, well, are other farmers forming LLCs? How are they writing their operating agreements? How are they really moving forward? So what we've been thinking on, what we've been pondering for a while is how does Farm Commons really mobilize that? How do we create stronger farmer-to-farmer connections so that uh, we, can, we can build an environment of creative brainstorming, where we're talking about problems, we're talking about solutions, we're trialing things, we're sharing with each other? That's kind of the promised land, I think, for Farm Commons, is if we can create that sort of an ecosystem. not necessarily easy to do, though. Uh, farmers are busy. Legal legal issues in general, they have to fit in around the edges of production um, and other more pressing day-to-day issues. It's really hard for folks to carve out that time to uh, to connect with others about legal issues. A uh, fun thing that we're doing in 2020 to try to address that is a little something called the Farmer Solutions Session that I'm talking to you about this, Eva, since <laughs> you titled this thing um, and it's an amazing idea and uh, we've been working hard on getting this thing off the ground. Now you'll notice if you go to our website, you're not going to see anything that says Farmer Solution Sessions, sign up here. That's because right now this is an offering that's exclusive to farmers who attend our Cultivating Your Legally Resilient Farm workshop. That's the curriculum that we offer around the country to farmers and it's it's designed to acquaint them with the with the core principles of risk legal risk reduction on a farm and to result in direct action steps that that farm can take. So we're working with that group of folks, with those farmers who have been through the basics um, and um, and what we're doing is we're meeting online on Mondays you know to talk through where are we at with our action plan. What steps did we take? How did it go? What barriers are we encountering? So um, you and I have done this together. It's, it's been successful and I'm very excited for where that, um, where that will go. Now for farmers listening to this who are like, well, oh, but I don't have a Cultivating Your Legally Resilient Farm Workshop in my community, so I can't attend. Well, yeah, for now, for now you can't attend, but when this model is successful, we'll find more ways of including more farmers in these opportunities to, to talk with each other. So that's both what we're working on for 2020 and what to expect from us uh, farther into the future. We will at some point be launching uh, an online experience to, uh, to mirror the Cultivating Your Legally Resilient Farm workshop. So um, we may tie it into there. We may make it available in other means. Um, and for now, we're really busy t- testing it, improving um, to ourselves what do farmers want, how is this addressing their needs.
0: Great. Thanks, Rachel, for that overview of what to expect and what we've been working on. And for farmers who are interested in our Cultivating Your Legally Resilient Farm Workshop, do be on the lookout for events with your local sustainable agricultural organizations, because we do have quite a few workshops coming up um, all over the country this year, um, and we'll be announcing those in consecutive podcast episodes. So right now, um, in February here, we will be traveling to Illinois next week for a workshop for farmers through McHenry County College in um, northern Illinois, Crystal Lake area, and then so that's on um, Tuesday, February 18th, and then shortly after that, we'll be traveling up to Unity, Maine, to see the farmers up at Mofka in the the Maine area, and we're really excited for that full day workshop. Um, And after that, we have a workshop in Ohio at OFA coming up, as well as one with the Sustainable Farming Association in Minnesota, one with MIFS in Michigan this spring as well, um, uh, one with the Land Connection back in Illinois, as well as one um, with Coalfield Development coming up in West Virginia. So be on the lookout, farmers, for workshops in in your area this spring. So Rachel, I'm really curious to, to hear what hot topic issues would you say there are in the, the farm law landscape right now that you've been hearing at workshops and through the farmer solution sessions and in your conversations with farmers?
1: I think it could be the time of year, but employment law is always a big issue. I think the pressure on farmers right now to find, to find good help um, and to be able to, to uh, keep that help around, it's, it's very challenging. So that becomes a legal issue because the rules around how you hire, who you hire, how you structure that position, what sort of compensation you provide. There are a lot of those rules. So uh, folks are reaching out to us to, to get help as they put their employment program together for the next uh, production season. That's a big one. Another thing that I think is is a little bit seasonally driven is farmland leasing. Most folks, already know where they are at in terms of what land are they gonna be using for the, for the coming production season. Uh, but they might just be starting to think about, should I be writing that agreement down? Are we gonna memorialize this on paper? Am I sending an email? What am I doing to create uh, a record um, of our agreement together? Now is a terrific time to be thinking about both of these issues. Where's your employment program at? Um, how does it align with what the law requires? How can you better align it? Um, and also leases. Now is a great time to be having some conversations about what you want to see for the land in the coming season. Um, how long do you want your relationship with that land uh, to, to run? Um, can you go to your landlord or your or your tenant uh, and, and start a, a fresh negotiation about issues that are important to you? And I don't want that to sound too adversarial. This can be a really positive opportunity to develop a stronger relationship with the person who either leases your land or from whom you lease land. These don't have to be contentious or scary things. This can be really approachable.
0: Yeah, great. And for resources and supporting farmers in both um, setting up your employment program for the upcoming season and thinking about what questions you might be asking your landlord for for drafting up a written lease. We have some great resources on our website in the employment law section. Um, we have many non-state and state-specific resources uh, for classifying the workers on your farm, as well as managing employment risks and using employment law um, advantages to work for your farm. So I encourage you all to check out the employment law section on our website um, for for those action steps that you might be considering right now in in the depths of winter. For leasing, uh, there's one resource in particular that comes to my mind, and that is questions for landowners and land, um, farmland, wait, landowners and farmers (laughs) to ask each other. And it's a great guide that lists out many of the different considerations that Farmers and landowners should be talking about, such as who is going to be taking care of maintenance. Um, what about utilities, property taxes? What are the expectations for use on the land? Um, is the landowner also expecting to have some use of the land? And if so, when? What might that look like? Um, what is the the duration of the lease? Um, when is notice of renewal or termination need to be given? So all of those considerations and more are are in that guide through questions that that you can use to prepare for your next meeting um, for drafting up your lease or reviewing it. Great, so on the subject of resources, Rachel, um, I know we've had a few new resources in the works. Are there any that folks should be keeping an eye out for um, coming up here soon?
1: Yes, I am. I'm very excited to finally release a guide to paying wages in kind. So if you are a farmer out there and you provide food, lodging or other, um, you know, tangible goods um, in, uh, in replace of cash, of cash wages, this guide is for you. In most states, there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's totally legal to pay wages in the form of bacon um, or cheese or vegetables. <laughs> Um, You know, I have worked for bacon, and it has been a delightful relationship, I will (laughs) say. Uh, But the law has a few things to say about how are you valuing that bacon? Is this 16 buck a pound bacon? Um, Is it $5 a pound bacon? How does that translate into the wage? How do you account for this in terms of um, taxes uh, and your legal obligations? Um, How do, you know, does the the employee have to sign something saying, I agree to be paid in bacon, as much bacon or as little bacon. So there's a a lot of logistics that can make your, you know, will work for bacon arrangement uh, meet the law or be out of compliance with the law. So this guide has probably more than anyone wants to know about the subject, but it's all very important information. It's been, it's been in production at FarmCommon for about three years, so it's, uh, it's some, some hefty information, but we're really proud to be able to put it out because it's also information that is very difficult to find. Even accountants or those who process regular non-farm payroll um, are confused about how do you handle in-kind wages. Even folks that regularly process wages for farm businesses across the United States still have questions about how to properly value these things. Um, that's especially the case when we're talking direct to consumer farms that are doing things that are more innovative. People have been paying in kind for agricultural labor in the form of hogs that are about to go to market or you know, truckloads of grain for decades now. But that's, and, and so the IRS has had some things to say about that. But the situation is a little bit different in terms of, well, I give you a free CSA share and I give you, you know, um, housing, I give you a room in my house. That has not been going on for decades and decades in the farming community. So these new arrangements are a little bit more difficult to align with the law. If this is sounding familiar to anyone who is who's listening, go out, check the guide, um, and, and give us your feedback on it. Anytime time you download something from the Farm Commons website, you're going to get a survey request within a couple of weeks. It means a lot to us to have you respond to that survey request. I really appreciate you keeping an eye on your email um, and giving us probably about five minutes of your time um, to complete that survey. We use that to figure out what other guides or products or resources should we be developing to figure out if we're actually answering your questions or if you are still left, you know, adrift on the seas of uncertainty. So so please get the guide and then tell us what you think.
0: Great, thanks for the overview of the new In-Kind Wage Guide. And just to clarify, Rachel, is that available on our website right now or will it be launching soon?
1: Well, let's see. Um, today is February 11th, and it is not currently there, but it's on my to-do list for this week. So Eva, I hope you're not actually releasing this podcast for a few days.
0: I will not be. Yes. So oh, it will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, we got it. We got a few workshops um, before then, but yes. So be on the lookout for that um, by the end of February, farmers. Exactly. Yep. Great. Yep, we get quite a few questions from folks at workshops who are offering um, CSA worker shares and having having their CSA members uh, work in exchange for their weekly shares. Um, and farmers who ask if, if they're hiring folks and paying them with housing and then also food and a monthly stipend, mm-hmm. if that's legal. Um, And those are very tricky questions, because the way they're set up is for a yes or no answer. And in in classic uh, legal fashion, the answer depends. But there is some clarity that that we can figure out um, through these guides that we produce at Farm Commons so that you farmers can understand um, what your practices are, what risk comes along with them, how likely something is to happen that may not be great for your farm, but also how how extensive the damages might be. Um, So a worker share may not be a huge risk for your farm, but it's still important to know what the repercussions may be if that CSA member gets disgruntled because they're really tired of weeding the spinach and they feel like they haven't gotten enough food in their share. Um, Or you run a great CSA worker program and and everything's running well, but you still wanna be keeping track of the value that you're exchanging um, with your accountant to to keep up um, with an understanding of how, how your business as a whole is valued. So really important considerations.
1: Yes, yes. Anyone who's getting the in-kind wage guide should probably also take a look at Guide to Managing the Risks of Interns and Volunteers. Because oftentimes, in-kind wages are going running parallel with an intern, apprentice, or volunteer sort of arrangement. So, um, add that light reading to your winter to-do list, and um, you're really going to be on track to develop a program that is resilient and that meets, you know, um, your goals for your farm.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Rachel, for giving us some insights into uh, our plans for 2020 and current Farm Commons offerings. And to all you farmers out there, um, we hope you continue to tune in. We plan to interview farmers, attorneys, egg service providers in this uh, monthly podcast and also give you some tidbits on um, best risk management practices you can employ on your farm depending on what your farm needs. So if you have um, questions or um, interest Uh, please put those into the evaluations um, when we send those to you after you download a resource because we read through everything we we really value your feedback and we listen to it I mean this this in-kind wage guide that's been in in process for three years that came about because of community demand for some clarity in this in this area so we really value your feedback and we're grateful for the good work that you all do for for our uh, communities well thanks Rachel Thanks,
1: everyone. Yeah, and thanks to everyone who's out there getting ready for another growing season or uh, right in the middle of your own season. Thank you so much for all the work you do.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Farm Commons podcast. For more information on what you just heard, as well as a variety of farm law guides, models, checklists, flowcharts, and more, visit our website at farmcommons.org you can also email us at info at farmcommons.org if you have any questions or comments about this podcast or any of our online materials. Thanks everyone for listening and keep on growing.